Father, we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Really glad you're here, guys. I'm not going to say a whole lot more about it today, but there's a card near you, and it had to do with our adult growth groups. These are going to be starting up a week from Wednesday. What I need you to do is not leave this here. Take it with you, please. And we're going to talk about it more next week. But this is a huge part of our life with God. It's a huge part of who we are as a church. Like I said, we'll talk about that a whole lot more next week. But take this along so that you can use it as a resource. And I know that some of you guys are going to be tempted to push back this morning for what I have to say. If you're going to push it back against me, go for it. Push as hard as you want. If you're pushing back against God, be careful. Don't push back against God. So here's the deal. Here at Cap City, it's going to be kind of like we're going to start over from scratch. Bottom line, we are not where we were. and We can't go back. But we can go forward. So we're going to kind of act like we're starting over. Now, a couple of years ago, we were pretty much firing on all cylinders. Strongest attendance ever, growing. There was a fire that was burning in a lot of us, and then we shut down for COVID for several weeks. Did you know that across the board, not just at Capital City, but you know that across the board, 25% of those who were active in church at that time simply detached immediately, didn't connect with their home church or any other church online, didn't come back when their churches opened their doors again, they just quit breaks my heart because this is important. A few months later, by the middle of last summer, this is what was happening. Only about a third of those who had been regular church attenders were still active with their home church, either in person or online. It's across the board, not just a capital city. Another third, give or take, were kind of church hopping. A lot of them church hopping online kind of digital church hopping. By the way, every single person that I've talked to personally has told me that digital church is not the same. Sometimes it's the best you've got, which is cool. But when you can make yourself make your way back to in-person church, you need to get it done. Another third essentially just dropped out of church. That was last summer. Now, this summer, or right now, they tell us about 25% of those who used to be regular church attenders have no plans of coming back. That's right here, right now. And I hope that breaks your heart, because I think it breaks God's heart. That's behind us. So where does that put us right now? What's our plan right now? We could put our focus on trying to recapture those who are still detached. And we do need to do whatever we can to bring them back. And you can help us with that. Maybe you know somebody that you can nudge back to church. But our focus is going to be on starting over. Because you can either look back or you can look forward. We want to welcome those who are still coming home. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. But we're going to focus on looking forward. What's it going to take to build a great family here at Capital City Christian Church right now, going forward? Now, here's what's weird. 
How many of you guys were active at Capital City Christian Church? You were active with This Is Your Home two years ago. Go ahead and raise your hands if you would. Okay, how many of you were active two years ago? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you guys were not? How many of you guys have, are really kind of new to Capital City over the last two years? Raise your hands if you would, please. Quite a few hands. And here's what's weird. We still have a whole lot of new faces. There are a lot of people that you kind of old-timers don't know. We look different as a church family than we did two years ago. So it's time for a restart. We need to get to know each other again. We need to recommit ourselves together to our God. We need to recommit ourselves together to each other as a family. We need to recommit ourselves together to the mission of this church. And that's what these next four weeks are going to be about. Then I ask you if you're still on board. And ask you if you're willing to get on board. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to make this a vibrant, God-honoring church family going forward? We have to start with our why. Here's our why, very simply. Why number one. Guys, we believe there is a God. Do you? We believe in God. And we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that is huge. Why number two. We believe that God wants all of us connected to Him through Jesus. For some crazy reason, our Creator God wants you in His family. He wants you in His family so badly that He sent His Son to die to make it happen. He wants all of you, He wants all of them to do life with Him through Jesus. Go figure. Do you believe that? Why number three? Believe it or not, the church is God's plan to get it done. He wants those of us who follow Jesus to band together, to work together, to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world. You are the best chance they have to come to God through Jesus. And they need Jesus. So listen, guys, this church, this gathering of God's people, this weird, weird family, it's not our idea. It wasn't like some group of guys got together and thought, let's kind of start a Kiwanis club on steroids. And the church, this gathering of God's people, this weird family of God's people, this is not the idea of the earliest disciples. It's not like they got together and said, Jesus is gone now. Why don't we just keep on getting together to keep this thing going? The church is God's dream. It's God's plan. It's God's idea. This gathering of God's people, this weird family of God's people, bonded together by our common allegiance to Jesus, committed to dragging each other to heaven as many as, as we can with us, this is God's idea, His dream, His plan. Listen to what the Bible says, but really listen to it. Look at what it says. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell are not going to be able to conquer it. I will build, Jesus says, my church. The Apostle Paul got it. He says, he... Speaking of Jesus, Jesus is the head of the church. The church is his body. The church is his plan. It's his build. He's the head. We're called the body of Christ. We're called the bride of Christ. And if that is so, <coughs> excuse me, if this is so, 
how could any Jesus follower blow off the church? It's his church. He wants it to be your home. He wants it to be your family. God's church, our home. God's church, our family. Because listen, guys, listen. It's going to sound weird. You cannot love God and blow off his church. Can't. In fact, we've said this before. You can anchor it in Scripture. It says the quality of your relationship with God can be measured by the level of your commitment to his church. You buy that? I do. I was at a Promise Keepers convention a few years ago and I heard an old preacher say something that was so eloquent that I cannot forget his exact words. He stood up there and he said to us, if the church ain't your mama, God ain't your daddy. That's what he said. He was actually quoting an old dead guy by the name of Cyprian who lived about 1,700 years ago. Cyprian put it like this, no one can have God for his father who does not have the church for his mother. Church ain't your mama, God ain't your daddy. Because it's his church, his plan, his idea, his family plan, right? Now, I know there's a whole lot of pushback on those ideas. There are a whole lot of people out there, maybe there are people in here, who think you can be perfectly fine with God without church, right? You think you're fine to go it alone without the baggage of church, kind of like Lone Ranger Christians. Did you know that in our guidebook, in our New Covenant, the New Testament, there are no Lone Ranger Christians? They're not even conceived of. When you get Jesus, you get family. That's how it was. It's how it is. And I know families are messy. They always are. But you need family. And there are a whole lot of people out there who think they need church, kind of, but they think it's perfectly fine to float from church to church to church. It's kind of digital drifters sometimes, maybe in-person drifters, always shopping, never consuming, never settling in, never making a church their home. Listen, that was not God's plan for you. Now, you can say you're married to someone without ever living together, I suppose. But if you never live together, if you don't share a home, is it really a marriage? Can you really build a relationship that matters? It's that way with church, too. And there are some who kind of hang out with the church without ever committing to that church family. Kind of like lurkers. Lurkers in about every church. Some of you guys who are really old might remember Barney from Mayberry. How many of you guys remember Barney, right? He was a ladies' man, right? Suave and debonair. But whenever... He's, the girl that he was with started hinting at something more at marriage. He'd get all squirrely and terrified of commitment. Kind of like some of you guys in church. You like hanging around, but you're scared of commitment. Want to keep your options open. Not sure you want the responsibilities that come with commitment. Now God wants more for you. He wants more for all of us. He wants his church, he wants his bride to be an environment where you're going to find strength, you're going to find peace, you're going to find truth, and you're going to find grace. He doesn't want church to be a place that you go. He wants it to be who you are. You know why? You know why it's so big, so important? Did you know that a good 
Christ-centered church family will help you stay focused on God, which is what you were made for, which is what make life work. We get so busy that it's easy to get distracted from the one thing that's supposed to be our center, the one thing that keeps everything else in perspective, our relationship with God. Church helps us to refocus on God every week, to move Him back into the center. And did you know that a good Christ-centered church will help us tackle life's problems? And life is full of midnight. God never meant for any of us to go it alone. Eventually, every single one of us is going to need some allies, some partners in this thing. And the Bible says, I want you to bear one another's burdens. How cool is that? It says, I want you to stir one another to love and good works. It, it says, I want you to encourage one another. And you need that. God wants us in a church family, so we'll have each other's backs. And did you know that a good Christ-centered church is going to help grow and strengthen your faith, your trust in God, and you need to learn to trust God. And the Bible calls the church the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Because bottom line, every single one of us is weird. Every single one of us thinks a little strangely sometimes. And every one of us is prone to drift. The church keeps us grounded. It keeps us centered. And did you know a good Christ-centered church family helps us to discover and develop and use our God-given gifts. And you've got them. You've got God-given gifts. The Bible says you are God's workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You were not put here in this place just to take. You were put in this place to give back. And God gave you gifts with which you can give back. And the church helps you discover and develop and use those gifts. And did you know a good Christ-centered church family will help you bring others to Jesus, which is your prime directive. It's our primary mission on this earth. It's the most significant thing any one of us can do on this earth. That's a mission that God gives to every one of us Jesus followers. And did you know that it's a whole lot easier to get that done, a whole lot more efficient to get that done together than it is trying to do it alone? And did you know that a good Christ-centered church will help you take care of people around you who are hurting. We all see them, people around us who are hurting. We all care, and every single one of us feels inadequate. How can I make a difference? Together we can. Together we can make a serious difference. God wants to show His heart to our world through us. Bottom line, guys. God uses the church. He uses this gathering, this band of brothers and sisters who are Jesus' followers, to shape us, to morph us into who he meant us to be. Those who push the church away tend to be mired in a worldview that says it's all about me. Through the church, God teaches it's not about me. Life is way better, life is way bigger, life is way richer when it's not about me. Church is one of God's most powerful tools to change us from self-centered to selfless to what can I give rather than what can I get. And life becomes richer and our hope becomes more vivid. Guys, this is the kind of church God wants us to build. This is the kind of church family that God wants us to be. He wants us to be weird to our world. I think you guys want that too. He wants this to be a place where those who are unchurched they want to come back. It's interesting to them. A place, they, a place they enjoy, people that they enjoy being around. 
Wouldn't you love for the unchurched out there to think about us? These people are kind of weird, but I kind of like who they're trying to be, and I kind of like what they're trying to do. And church, God wants this church, this place, to be an environment where the de-churched, those who used to do church, maybe they drifted off, maybe they were driven off for some reason. He wants this to be a place where they're willing to give it another shot. Safe place to explore doing life with God, for God, God's way. A better kind of life. And God wants this to be a place of truth and grace. Truth and grace. Always truth and grace. Because you can't have God's truth without grace and you can't have God's grace without God's truth. He wants this to be a place where sinners feel welcome. Big sinners feel welcome here. A safe place for sinners. I'm telling you guys, if this were not a safe place to sinners, I'd probably tell you guys to go home because I think you're not welcome. We're all sinners. We need that place. Now, because it's a safe place for sinners, it's going to have a lot of messes, isn't it? It's going to be a messy place. People are here going to say and do stupid things. And we're going to try to love on each other anyway because he matters more. So, are you going to make this place your home? Are you going to make it your family? Are you going to help us build a, a, a place that is contagious? A healthy, God-honoring church. How committed are you willing to be? And if it's not here at Capital City, I'm, I'm urging you, I'm encouraging you guys, find some other Christ-centered, God-honoring church. Make it home. You were not made to go it alone. I'm going to use a metaphor, Jordan already introduced it, that you might be tempted to misinterpret. Because you see, guys, the church is not a building. If this place were to get burned to the ground, Capital City Christian Church would not be diminished. Church is not about our staff and our programs. Staff will come and go. Capital City Christian Church will not be diminished. You are Capital City. We are Capital City, a band of brothers and sisters committed to loving our God together, committed to loving each other, committed to making a difference in our world one person at a time. But even though it's not a building, I'm going to use a metaphor of a house, a home. Every home, every church has a foyer, a living room, and a kitchen. Where are you? And how far in are you willing to go? And how far in are you willing to let them come? Listen, guys, God doesn't want you to hang out in the foyer interminably. He does want a great foyer for His church, but He wants you further in than that. And He doesn't even want you to linger in the living room interminably. He wants a great living room for His church, but He wants more for you than that. He wants us to be your home. He wants all of us to make it all the way to the kitchen. He wants us to have fridge privileges to the dinner table, to the dishes, to family. Don't quit till you make it to the kitchen. Don't be satisfied till they make it to the kitchen. See, the foyer is pretty much the first impression most people have of your home, right? The, the foyer is the entrance. It's where we greet our guests. And sometimes friends and family, they might come through the back door, through the garage, but guests, they usually go to the front door and they usually enter first into your foyer. And when I'm talking about the foyer this morning, I'm not just talking about that room outside that wall. I'm talking about wherever we meet our guests. 
usually out there. It's usually in this room. This is where our guests take a peek at who we are and what we're about. When they enter our foyer, when they enter here, what do they see? What do they experience? I hope our guests will sense the presence of God, and I hope they'll sense the, a people who love each other and are bound to each other powerfully. You know, the foyer is bigger than just this room. Did you know that most of our guests who come to Capital City Christian Church will make up their minds about whether to come back before Steve ever sings the first song or I ever say the first word? According to research, they tell us that from the time a guest steps out of their car, in seven minutes they will have made up their mind whether to come back to that church. Seven minutes will make an eternal difference. Were the people friendly out there in the parking lot? Did the place look clean and attractive and inviting like they wanted us here? When they made it to our front door, it's huge when you step into the house for the first time. Did they feel welcome? Did they feel wanted? Could they tell that we care that they're here and they matter to us? If they have kids, could they sense when they went down to our kids' areas that this is a great environment for their kids? It's safe, it's fun. When they come into this room, can they tell that we love God? Can they tell that we love each other? Can they tell that we are honored to have them here as our guests? And we're going to talk about that stuff a little bit more a little bit later in the service. In fact, I just want to give you a warning right now. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. After the Lord's Supper, there's part two of this sermon, but it's very short. So after the Lord's Supper, don't leave. Don't sneak out. Hang for just a couple more minutes. But the key word for the foyer is guests. Key word for the living room is friends. In the foyer, people talk about this church. In the living room, they start talking about it as my church. In the foyer, you can stay a consumer. In the living room, you're going to start to become a contributor. In the living room, you start to connect with other people. It's where we start building friendships that matter. And that really doesn't happen on Sunday mornings when you gather here for one hour and look at the back of each other's heads. Maybe exchange a few pleasantries. Being part of a church, being part of a church family is about more than sitting for an hour a week in this room and then blowing each other off for the rest of the week. Are you willing to call these people friends? Are you willing to be a friend to the people who are in this room? Because there are people in this room who need a friend. And that's who we are, and that's what we do. We're going to talk about that the next couple weeks. But getting to the living room is not far enough, guys. I mean, usually the deepest conversations don't take place in the living room. They take place in the kitchen. The foyer is about guests. The living room is about friends. The kitchen, that's family. In the foyer, it's this church. In the living room, it's my church. In the kitchen, this is my family. In the foyer, we recognize a few faces maybe and maybe know a few names. In the living room, we may know a few more names and maybe even a few stories. But in the kitchen, people know my name and they know my story and they still care. Kitchen's about life and life. It's about the 
cutting edge of the church. It's people loving one another and caring for one another and challenging one another and encouraging one another, keeping one another growing and faithful, all of which we are told to do in the New Testament. <coughs> Kitchen is where we drag each other to heaven. See, there's a difference between life in the foyer, life in the living room, and life in the kitchen. You can do life in the foyer for a long time and keep all as far away as you want. In the living room, you start making some friends, which is cool. Still short of God's dream for you. In the kitchen, you start to see each other's dirt. That's okay. In the kitchen, you can take your mask off. That's okay. Because in the kitchen, you're family. God wants us to build a family. So let's get personal. God wants you in the kitchen. He, he wants this family or some other God-honoring family to be your home. Are you going to be, you going to go in? Are you going to settle? Are you going to settle for the foyer? Are you going to settle for the living room? Are you willing to leave there and go all the way to the kitchen for your sake, for their sake, for God's sake? That's what we're going to talk about the next couple weeks. And listen, guys, God wants them in the kitchen too. Too often we're content with leaving our guests in the foyer. Sometimes we're not sure we want them all in our living room as friends. And we're certain that we don't always want them in our kitchen because some people just make messes, right? They can disrupt our equilibrium. Are you willing to drag as many as we can all the way into our kitchen? Are you willing to do anything short of sin to reach the people that God loves, the people that you are called to love? We're going to talk about that in the next three weeks too. Well, that's what's coming. Right now, let's, let's act like a family. Let's build a family, a God-honoring family His way. Did you know that every single week God invites his kids to his table? This is the family table. I mean, we take this little piece of bread and we take this little spot of juice to remember what it cost Jesus to build this church, to make us his kids. Listen, guys, what God did to bring us into this family is bigger than anything that could separate us. What holds us together is infinitely more important than anything that would tear us apart. So I'm going to ask you, in just a second, to go to the worship stations, pick up a piece of bread and the juice or the elements that are prepackaged, take them back to your seats, hold on to them, because we're going to take them together as a family meal in just a moment. For the next four weeks, we're going to end up every one of our worship services with a little bit of training. If we're going to build a great God-honoring church, how do we do it? How do we create that kind of an environment here at Capital City? And we're going to start out today with what I would call some foyer training. You know, a church foyer, a church, can be one of the loneliest places in the world. I've seen it more than once. I've seen people come into this place and they will look around and they'll see everybody else with friends and everybody else having a great time and they're unnoticed. And I've had people leave our church family weeping because they felt so alone. Church can be one of the greatest places in the world for people. It can also be a very lonely place. And every church thinks it's friendly, but ordinarily that means they're friendly with each other. Are we friendly with our guests? I mean, if a guest came into your home, 
you wouldn't ignore them. You'd want to make them feel welcome. You'd want to make them feel like they were wanted in your place. We want to do that here too. I'm going to give you seven ideas here very quickly. Seven ideas. Just pick one, two, three. If you want to try all seven, that'd be really cool. But I'm going to give you some ideas on how to be a welcoming church in the foyer. Okay? And here's number one. How about giving up the best parking spots? I mean, if you're fit, if you're, if you're able to do this, park a little further away to leave some uh, spaces right near the church for our guests. And you can probably use the exercise and and the guests would uh, probably appreciate having a little bit of a closer spot that they can park in. And so that's one of the things that you can do. How about number two? When you're in the foyer, or perhaps in this room, actually notice if someone looks lost, and then do something about it. If you see that deer-in-the-headlights look, find out if they need help. And don't just point them towards help. Take them where they need to go. Maybe you can take them over to the, to, the, to the coffee bar and get them a cup of coffee. Maybe you can help them with their kids down to our, our kids' area or just take them over to the Welcome Center so they can get some material. But it's not just the job of our guest services. It's, it's all of our job. We're family. We want to welcome people to our home. This one is really, really meddling, and I know it's going to make some of you guys ticked off. Life's hard. But how about giving up some of the best seats? Well, what are the best seats in the church? They're not the ones up here, right? The best seats in the church are the back row. That's where everybody fights, right? I want to get in the back row. They want to sit next to the aisles. And so sometimes when our guests come in a little bit late, what they have to do is they have to walk in front of all of you weird people in order to find a seat, right? And that can be hard on a guest. How about giving up some of the best seats for our guests, for those especially who, who, who arrive late? Did you know the Bible says, the Bible actually says, greater love has no man then he gives up a great seat for a family he doesn't know. I'm pretty sure, I'm a Bible scholar, I'm pretty sure it's in there somewhere. Number four, as you're getting settled in, getting ready for worship, before you start immersing yourself in your friends, how about noticing someone you don't know around you and talking to them, welcoming them. And I know it can be embarrassing. You've probably gone up to somebody and you said, are you a member? Are you new to Capital City Christian Church? And maybe they said something to you like, no, I've been here for five years. And then you feel like an idiot, right? And so let me, let me suggest a line. I'm going to coach you a little bit. I'm going to give you a line that you can use, okay? Instead of, instead of saying, are you new here, say something like, um, uh, how long have you been coming to Capital City? How long have you been coming here? If they're brand new, they'll say a week or two. Well, how cool. I'm glad you came. If they've been here five years, how cool. I've only been here three. You can say something like that. It works with anybody. How long have you been coming to Capital City? Okay? How about the next one? Next uh, coaching tip, engage guests before friends. Maybe it's after a service, right? After the service, make sure that you're not just streaming to the people that you know. Find people around you again that you didn't know. Hope you had a great time. Hope to see you again. Welcome them back here to Cap City Christian Church. Number six, you know, you can even take a guest to lunch, right? Uh, that'd be really cool. You find out they're a guest. Well, come out and join us, and you can even pay, right? Now, I, I'm going to tell you this. If you want to take a guest to lunch and you don't think that you've got enough money, bring us the receipt and we'll pay you back. I'm serious. You take them to lunch, bring us the receipt, and we'll cover the bill, all right? Now, if you take them to Ruth's Chris, we're going to hang you out to dry, all right? <laughs> but if you're not stupid, we'll have your back on that. And number seven, the last one is, how about just helping keep this place clean and attractive? You see something that's messy? Fix it. I mean, it's your home, right? It's your home. If something needs tending, something's cluttered, take care of it. Let's, let's all work together in keeping this a welcoming, clean, and attractive place.
One last thing in our coaching this morning, name badges. We're bringing them back, and I know that terrifies a few of you, but names matter. People know they matter when you try to call their name. And I know that I'm a kind of an absolute hypocrite at this because I, I don't know of anybody worse than me at names. But just because I'm terrible with it doesn't mean it's not important. I mean, it's easier to talk to somebody if you know their name. It's, it's, it's better for someone if, if their name is called, right? You see someone, you want to say hi, but you forgot their name, and it, and it puts up this wall between you. Well, we're going to bring the name badges back, but we're going to do it differently this time. If you're old here, you probably remember that we would line the walls with all these clipboards, and you have to go through all the pages to find your name badge. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to be installing a boatload of kiosks sign-in kiosks, and at every one of these kiosks, you punch in your, your telephone number, and it'll print your badge, and you can put your, put your name badge right on right at that time. We're going to put a bunch of them in this place. They're going to know your name, you're going to know their name, and it's going to make a difference.